Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. DNVR20. That is the code you can use for so many things, but right now we're talking about what you can use it for because you can use it for 20% off plus free shipping on your entire purchase from Manscaped. And Manscaped has all the tools to get the job done on the old family jewels. And let me tell you, folks, I've said it once, I'll say it a million times. If you are a man who has set foot outside in the summer, you need the crop preserver. And heck, you need the whole Manscaped package because it's going to help everything down there stay in great shape. So make sure you, you hit up manscaped.com today and get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code DNVR20. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. It's the Colorado institution that is providing rigorous and, and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. We've got some DNVR family members over at MSU Denver this summer, and they all have great things to say about the way things are going over there. So make sure you check it out. 40 plus online hybrid programs, 750 classes. Really, whatever you're interested in doing as you further your education, msudenver.edu slash online is the place to go. My boys, happy Wednesday, hump day, happy franchise tag deadline day. Ah, yes, franchise tag deadline day. And man, it sure looks like for the first time in the John Elway era, a player who is franchise tagged will play on the franchise tag, not reaching an agreement all the reporting out there suggests that the Broncos and Justin Simmons will not be reaching a deal today and there are a lot of takes on the internet about this and so of course I want to hear your takes Mace I'll start with you what does this mean well where do you start I mean first of all for Justin Simmons it means that if it were a normal year that he doesn't get this, he could be cashing in even more next year than he would have been this year. But it's not a normal year. And 
I think if this were a typical offseason, the Broncos would have gotten something done with Justin Simmons. And he'd be getting ready to be the latest franchise tag player to be re-signed by John Elway, joining Ryan Clady, Matt Prater, Demarius Thomas, Vaughn Miller. So I, th- I think that's the that's the sort of that's the sort of scenario we face right now. And in time in trying to figure out where this might go, unfortunately a lot of it is, is tied to uh, how things are going to look in terms of the cap next year. And I mean, frankly, guys, if you know we're sitting here right now, we don't know how things are going to be resolved in terms of the economics and the salary cap for twenty twenty one and beyond. And, and if there was some clarity, there was some knowledge on that, I think uh, Justin Simmons might be signing a three or four year contract right now. When, when, when this is a win all around for the Denver Broncos, I think. And I think this is uh, probably not what I've been seeing a lot of on social media. And the reason for it is you get Justin cheaper this year than you would have. You have a legitimate reason why he did not get a long-term deal. So I don't think that he should feel slighted and not like the Broncos and, you know, want to be traded and not sign a long-term deal with them after this year. No. How many long-term deals got done with franchise tag players? One, right? At least, you know, we're recording this about four hours before the deadline. One. So uh, there's a legitimate reason out there why a long-term deal didn't get done. I don't think Justin will feel slighted by it. Uh, and then you get to see after this year if he's really worth making the highest paid safety in the NFL or if, you know, you can get him a little cheaper than you would have got him this year. And um, I think if they would have signed him to a long-term deal, he probably would have been the highest paid safety. So if you wait a year and he does prove that he's elite two years in a row, what do you lose? You don't lose anything because you're just making him the highest paid safety again. And the way that the economics are going to work, likely the salary cap staying similar to what it is this year, I don't think making him the highest paid safety is going to be drastically more, if anything more, than, than you would have paid him this year. Interesting. And it should be added that they could just tag him again next year and it would only be 13 or so million uh, which would still be probably cheaper than the yearly salary if he signed an extension right now. So if you're, pinch, if you're pinching pennies, well, you could get away with that for a little while here. Um, I'm very torn on this because part of me is like, yeah, what, you know, the Chiefs just gave Zach Stevens a 10-year deal, it seems like. Everyone <laughs> under the sun can get, you know – uh over 50 million dollars from the chiefs if they just ask for it and you know the broncos can't get a deal done with justin simmons um the thing that you know kind of scares okay you know you talk about the pandemic affecting this okay does that mean the broncos are cash poor right now we've known that the broncos have had issues with cash in the past they don't have stable ownership right now uh, is that a problem? That concerns me maybe more than anything. Um, and, and, you know, you're starting to see fans who I don't think love to talk about ownership ever. You're starting to see fans say, like, okay, maybe it's time for us to get a new ownership, new ownership in here instead of just doing this song and dance. If we don't have enough money to pay Justin Simmons, the Broncos just 
you know, the Broncos uh, just signed a, an advertising deal with every single betting uh, sports book in the entire world, it seems, <laughs> and yet they can't pay Justin Simmons. I just – I don't know. I, I'm confused on why the pandemic is precluding the Broncos from getting this deal done, especially when, to me, Justin Simmons, whether he should be the, the highest-paid safety in the league or not, is worth that um, because yes, is he going to be a little overpaid? Probably, but we're talking about a guy who's done every single thing right. He's great on the he, field. He's great off the field. He's great in the community. He's great in every single way, and he was great in Vic Fangio's defense, which is what's going to be here for a long time. So, I just I think it w- it would have been a nice way to show the team in the locker room that hey if you act like Justin Simmons you're going to get rewarded in full he has done everything right but at the same time the uh the issues or the 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 lack of signings for franchise tag guys it's not just a Broncos thing I mean you you look around right now I mean uh Shaq Barrett there was every indication that few months ago that he was going to sign a long-term extension after the big year he had in Tampa Bay. Well, then they did sign Tom Brady, but one of the things that uh, happened as a result of everything is the Bucks saying, okay, wait a minute. Now Shaq's going to try to fight to be classified as a defensive end so he can get more money out of the franchise tag, which is why in terms of franchise classification, I think you need to start looking at edge rushers and putting it that way rather than defensive end, defensive tackle, linebacker. Etc. So the the issue of not signing guys who deserve to be re-signed, who deserve long-term deals from their teams, uh, this isn't just a Broncos thing. It's a league-wide thing, and it's not. And again, it's not simply a it's not simply a, a cash thing and an ownership thing, but it's a we don't know what the cap is going to look like now. Can the NFL and the NFLPA potentially come together to establish something that? basically it basically uh mitigates the the impact on the cap for next year and spreads out the hit from the loss of revenue for 2020 perhaps it can be done but, but that's not in place right now and so you look at a cap situation that if they can't if the two sides can't resolve it the cap drops by 40 to 50 million i think that has given every team pause everyone but the chiefs really about making sure that they get they get their guys signed and I think that's why you're going to see mostly these guys playing on the franchise tag for one year and then wait and see one thing RK you did mention that you can use the tag next year and get them for 13 million and that is definitely a a wise decision in terms of the economics because you're still getting Justin Simmons at below that 14 million dollar number that I think he wanted that would have kind of conferred elite contract status on him the problem is uh, the history of guys that have played a second year on the franchise tag it's 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 pretty poor in terms of the morale of the player Justin Simmons he's a good guy but uh, I don't know how he would react even he would react to playing a second year on the franchise tag when you get into those waters that is tough but I think there's there's so many reasons this year with the pandemic with the economic uncertainty where Justin I don't think would be upset playing this year we we knew back uh in in December 
that Justin Simmons was going to be okay playing on the franchise tag. He wasn't going to be upset about it. Uh, so I don't think this is something we have to worry about Justin being upset about. Uh, and Ryan, one of the things that, that you mentioned was Justin's done all the right things. And you're absolutely right. Off the field, he's a fantastic person. Just set up his own charity foundation just a couple of weeks ago. He's a great leader. He's a great locker room guy, great teammate. It, you can just go on and on. He's the ideal person you want for any company. Uh, and on the field, his play's only gotten better. And last year, he proved that that he was one of the top safeties in the league. Um, but what what do you lose by not signing him to a long-term deal right now and instead giving him $11 million this year with the franchise tag uh, and then trying to work out a deal with him next year, knowing that you still have a little bit of control under him where you can pay him uh, $13 million again if you tag him. So it's not like he can just walk after this year. Yeah, I think you just lose good faith. Um, not necessarily with Justin Simmons, but I just think, you know, pandemic, no pandemic, the Broncos have, you know, the money to pay him this year. Um, if they're going to pay him 11 million this year, they certainly could pay him 15 million this year. And I just think that, that there's a, there's something to be said for sending a message that says rain or shine, no matter what you act like Justin Simmons, you're getting a deal. Um, but again, I understand the different things at play here. I just wish uh, there was a guarantee that something was going to get done in the future because the first, I guess this goes into a larger take I have, which is just the Broncos always wait too long. Um, you know, they could have signed Justin Simmons to an extension before last season and gotten him for what? you know, $9 million a year. Was cheaper, that what, cheaper than that, I think. Yeah. So, so why are they always procrastinating? Uh, trust me, as a master procrastinator, I know <laughs> that it never helps anything the longer you wait. Nothing happens except you get more stressed out uh, and the end product probably ends up not as good. Um, so I just, why are they always waiting so long? And, and it's, it seems to me like, okay, well, here they go. They have another excuse to push something back. So, of course, they're going to take the excuse to push it back and uh, wait another year. It's like the, they do realize that, yes, you, you, you get an extra year to see Justin Simmons. And, yes, when Justin Simmons goes out there and balls out again, the price tag goes up. It's not going to be the same a year from today. So I just wish they would, they would start a habit of getting things done early rather than late. I don't disagree with you about that philosophy there, Ryan. I just don't think that there's, there's much of a gamble that you're taking here. And I think the pandemic helps you a lot because of one, uh, it probably keeps Justin's morale about the same. Uh, and two, I, with the cap potentially not going up next year or dipping a little bit, I, I don't think that Justin's price tag is going to go up drastically. Now, maybe this year uh, it would have been $14 million, which would have tied him as the third highest paid safety per year on an average basis with Tyron Matthew and Landon Collins. Um, maybe next year you have to make him the highest paid safety in the league, which would be over 14.6 million. So I think that's maybe the gamble that you're taking is about a million dollars more per year. So I think, and, and this, is, this is because of everything that's going on. I think it's a rare year where the gamble 
is is low risk really because if he's going to make 14 million dollars this year and we see that he's worth that after this year then i'm saying fine pay him 15 million dollars well the other thing is that price tag is going to naturally go up a million dollars anyway because in 2021 you're expecting to place 17 games and not 16 so you're adding a week to the season there's a lot of different things at play here that can change the future um you know, there, there, is a, there is a case where the salary cap goes down next year and every player under the sun has to take less money. Uh, and teams actually end up getting team-friendly deals on guys because the entire market shifts and every player is hearing the same thing, which is, hey, man, we, don't, we can't pay you that anymore. Uh, and then, you know, a year later, the salary cap goes back up and everyone who signed during that year ended up kind of uh, getting the shaft. Not really, because I bet you what would happen in that instance, RK, is that you would see a flood of one-year contracts. That's fair. I would, that's, that's, in that scenario, uh, you might see even star play like a, like a Justin Simmons, whether it was with the Broncos or elsewhere, literally playing on a one-year 15-point $5 million deal. I think that that is something that would happen. The other thing that you said. Well, wouldn't the Broncos are, are, just tag him again in that case? They, they would, but again, it's sort of, a, it's, you know, they, they, they tried the goodwill thing with Chris Harris Jr. by giving $3 million, but something that uh, uh, they, they may just consider to, especially if he builds on what he did this past year and plays at an all pro level. But the other thing you, you hit on it. Why do the Broncos that, that's a question. I mean, I, I'll go back a few years. You know, remember they had to make kind of the hard choices between Brandon Marshall and Dane Trevathan and, and Derek Wolf and Malik Jackson. Yep. By acting earlier, they could have had all of them. Of course. And, and, and that could have kept that defense together. By acting, say, six months earlier, uh, at some point, maybe late in the offseason, coming out of uh, OTAs in 2015, before that year, you could have maybe had Malik Jackson and Dane Trevathan come back. It's like there's a sliding scale here as far as teams that are proactive on getting guys re-signed and teams that are reactive. Now, at one end, you have the Broncos, who are late, 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 and it's cost them a few players, not many because they haven't drafted that well, but a few that could have had some long-term value. And then at the other end of the scale, you have the Green Bay Packers when Ted Thompson was their GM, who signed everybody and anybody that they had that was even of moderate value and signed him, usually signed him in the about 8 to 12 months before they hit the market if they saw anything. I think there's a happy medium in the middle that you can hit that allows you to re-sign the players of value and get them at good value before their, before their potential contract costs ex- accelerate, hit another level, and still have some money to go into free agency and, and be active. And, and, that, and that's another thing, guys. The, the, the guys that get paid by the Broncos, they're not guys that they draft and develop for the most part. They're guys that other teams draft and develop, don't bring back, and the Broncos pay a premium in free agency. I mean, you know, Kewan James has got one of the biggest contracts on the team. Graham Glasgow has got one of the biggest contracts on the team. And you wonder if the fact that they're haven't, they haven't necessarily rewarded 
the players that have come up through their system is one reason why uh, some some agents look askance at how the Broncos do business. Well, and yeah. to me, uh, of course, I agree with both of you guys about this. That that why would you wait if if you don't need to wait and you can get them cheaper? So I'm just trying to think who burned John Elway. Was it the Brandon Marshall contract? by paying him when they did, and then he, he burned him. It, was it before that? Uh, who, who burned John Elway on this and made him say, well, shoot, I gave him a deal one year early to try to get him cheap, and then he burned me because he was no good, got injured, yada, yada, yada. I mean, well, why, why, did, why does John feel this way? I think I can only guess that it's just doubt creeps in because Brandon Marshall, this was, a, this was an issue before Brandon Marshall. Um, they waited, like like May said, they waited on Danny T. They waited on Derek Wolf. They waited on Malik Jackson. They, you know, uh, and they waited on Brock Osweiler, and and you know they that ended up working out well for them. But had they paid Brock Osweiler before that season, they could have probably had him at like five million dollars a year. Um, and you go down the list, Von Miller. They waited way too long on Von Miller. This is a guy that you do was your franchise player. And you waited until he won a Super Bowl MVP. No player's value can ever be higher than right after they won a Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> I mean, you should have known after year two. And obviously, you know, you have to wait until after year three. But you should have known right away, we want to sign Vaughn Miller to a long, long-term deal and just do it. I don't know why they wait. The longer you wait, the more it costs. All that happens around the league is more deals get done at that player's position. And then the price just gets hiked higher and higher and higher. I would sign, you know, any player that you have confidence in, you should be signing them as soon as you possibly can, and you will save millions and millions over time. And, yeah, are you going to miss on one? Sure, but you miss on guys that you wait on too. Well, okay, and, and I was just going to say with this, to be fair uh, to both sides, you probably have to look at the other side. And a guy like Brock Osweiler, if you were to have signed him, yeah, you would have got him for way cheaper but then you, you wouldn't have had the answer there. You would have been paying money. So as long as you recognize that you will miss on some of those guys too, then, then I think it, it's totally fair. But with Justin Simmons specifically, he was, you know, he was a rookie his rookie year. He didn't have much of a role, hard to judge on. Then year two and three, uh, I'd say he took a big step year two uh, and then kind of took a step back year three. I think he would admit that as well. And he has admitted that. And then last year, of course, took a massive leap under the Vic Fangio system. So you, you know um, that he's had one elite year, and he was ready to be paid elite money, which I think every player would want after having an elite year. But was there a reason, at least for, for John, where he, he hadn't seen that from Justin Simmons and uh, maybe wasn't even sure that he was going to take a, a step up from being a third-year guy. I mean, can you view it uh, from John's eyes in terms of Justin Simmons before seeing that elite step last year? Ryan, uh, you're shaking your head. No, John Elway is supposed to be an expert talent evaluator. He, that is his job. His main job is to be able to evaluate. And what, you don't buy stocks after they just surged 15%. That's not the way that you end up making money in the stock market. You buy stocks by saying, I believe in this company, and they just had a real bad day on the market for whatever, and they're down 8%. So I'm going to get in now so I can re reap the benefits when they you know, uh, bounce back up like, like I think they're going to do. That's John Elway's job. John Elway is supposed to be able to read the stocks of players like Justin Simmons and say, ooh, 
Justin Simmons just had a down year. But I know this kid. He has all the intangibles. He's smart. He's talented. He's maybe the most athletic player on the team. I love this. This is an incredible opportunity for me to hit up his agent and get a massive deal here on a long-term deal. That's his job. He is supposed to be a master stock evaluator on players. And all he does is just wait until the 11th hour when the stock is always going to go up. Well, and I think that's, that's a fantastic point and a very fair point. But then at the same time, using those stocks, uh, Ryan, if you don't have to buy when the value is as high as it's going to be, why would you? And if there's a chance that that value comes down after this year, well, boom, there you jump on the stock. That's when you buy. Uh, if you know that it's pretty much at its peak, and you know it could go up a little bit next year, but there's also a chance it goes down. Well, why, why not wait until next year? Again, I, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate and, and show the other side. Ryan, I think you're, you're spot on um, about John Elway's supposed to being able to identify those things before the huge jump happens. I agree with that. Um, but now you're, you're in that. You're, you're either going to be paying him. 14 million, 15 million, maybe 15 and a half. I mean, I'm trying to think at what, what price does he have to go to next year? Let's say it was 14 million. What price does it have to go to next year for me to say, wow, they really messed up. Even during the pandemic, they should have paid him. And I'm thinking maybe if it's at 16 million next year, $2 million more, well, you got burned. I think it'll be less than that just because of the, the economic uncertainty um, but I, that's where I'll put the number. Do you think that Justin Simmons is capable of being an all pro? Yeah, absolutely. He was a second team. All he's pro close. He's already, he's already second team. So it's fair to say that he could become the first, become a first teamer easily. And so, you know, the other, the other thing that I will, before we go on, I mean, I'm just thinking in terms of if they don't change this philosophy, what do the next few years look like? Yes. Because it's one thing to not re-sign guys when you have some bad draft classes. And the Broncos, it was shaky for a period. But you're coming up into a cycle here where you've got a slew of guys that you're probably going to want to re-sign. They need to change it as fast as they possibly can. And just going back to my comment about the All-Pro. So let's say that Justin Simmons uh, is the captain of the defense this year, which I think uh, is very – strong possibility and let's say that Justin Simmons is a first team all pro and let's say that Justin Simmons is the captain and a first team all pro on the best defense in the NFL or a top three defense in the NFL the price tag I mean that now you know his agent is is using the old name your own price tool uh and the Broncos are very in trouble in terms of leverage and yeah maybe it's 16 maybe it's 16 and a half maybe they ask for 17 I don't know but it's just, I don't know. To me, I guess they're betting on Justin Simmons to have a down year, in my opinion, and I think that's a bad bet. Yeah, or they're betting on him to not have that type of year, Ryan, not to, to not clearly be the best safety in the league or the most valuable safety in the entire NFL. They're saying, uh, if he has a year that he just had, well, we'll pay him 14, 14 and a half, whatever we were going to do. We'll save $3 million this year, and we, we now we know – you know, if they pay Justin now, it's a it's a safe bet. We know that. But if they pay him next year after seeing him that, see him have that type of year, then they know it's a one hundred percent safe bet. So that's just the way the Broncos are viewing it. And I just, I since his price tag was already so high, I just don't see it exploding even more next year. Yeah, that's fair. 
uh, I just, in the end, I think it just, it, it, my take on it is really the bigger thing, which is just stop waiting so long. Um, you had an opportunity to sign Philip Lindsay this year. Why are you waiting so long? I, I mean, and, and yeah, maybe, you know, you have a little bit of extra control over that this year because you don't, you're not expecting to have to rely on him the way that you have these last two years. Um, but they just need to start the cycle because the other problem here is that if you're always waiting until the last year, these guys deal to get a deal done. Well, then all of a sudden, if you try to change and eventually they need to do this, but there's going to be a year there where you have all these guys on their last year that you want to get signed and guys on their third year that you want to get signed. And that's going to add up to a lot of money in that year uh, as you're trying to get these signings on. So you're going to have to kind of bite the bullet if you're ever going to make this move and have that tough year where you have to get a bunch of deals done in one year. Well, and on top of that, when was the last time the Broncos went into a season with like no cap money at all, where, where they didn't have an extra couple million dollars? Now, obviously that, that extra couple million dollars may not lock up uh, a four-year, $60 million contract for Justin Simmons, but what's the contract that we've thrown around for Philip Lindsay if you were to offer it to him right now? Four years, $20 million? Yeah. So – that would certainly, you know, if the Broncos go into the season with about $8 million of cap, yeah, that'll certainly take care of Philip Lindsay, especially with the big cap number now, uh, and, and help you work through that. And the Broncos have gone into the last few seasons with cap. Now that cap does roll over. I get that. But it, it'll, it'll be worth more right now paying a guy to keep him than it would later. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting scenario. Heck, there's still a few hours here. Maybe they do get a deal done with Justin Simmons and this whole conversation was moot but definitely all the reporting to this point has suggested otherwise um either way whether you're celebrating a Justin Simmons deal or maybe you're having a drink because it's this whole situation stressed you out might I recommend a Breckenridge brewery beer a Breck brew nothing quite like it and I got to tell you about the mile high city 15 can pack some are calling it the Jokic pack it's just what what's been thrown around you know he's now he's got abs maybe he has a 15 pack we haven't really seen quite yet but mile high city 15 can sampler Jokic back in the bubble nuggets basketball coming back soon nothing quite like enjoying a nuggets beer while watching a nuggets game take my word on that one so go over get yourself a mile high city 15 can a Jokic pack at your local grocery store or maybe you go to davidson's Guys, the, the Broncos are rolling the dice. They're doing a little gambling on Justin Simmons while only taking the one-year deal right now. And the awesome thing is you can do that. You can roll the dice on DraftKings Sportsbook with baseball starting up, NBA starting up, NHL starting up just a couple of weeks away. And baseball is back next week, and the Rockies are taking the field in less than 10 days, and there's no better place to get in on the action than DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And to put you in the center of the action, DraftKings Sportsbook is celebrating the new season with special promotions. Before the season starts, place a bet of at least $25 on who will be crowned the champion, and they'll give you a $25 free bet to use on opening day. How good is that? And we're excited for baseball. But don't forget, there's also European soccer happening right now. 
huge golf tournaments. So there's, there's plenty of stuff to keep you going until the other sports start up. DraftKings Sportsbook is U.S.-based, making it safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your funds whenever you want. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. Just use the code DNVR when you sign up to get your bonus of up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's jump into the questions from the listeners. And quickly, I want to remind people, uh, hey, if you get a chance, go ahead over and uh, give us a nice rating on iTunes. It's been a while since we got a, a fresh five-star review over there. So if you enjoyed this show, we would quite enjoy it if you headed over there and hit us with a five-star review. All right, let's start with Count Locula, who has a quote from Carl Mecklenburg after some Bum Phillips quotes in the last few days. The quote today, defensively, I think it's important for us to tackle. <laughs> I think it's a good uh, quote, Vic, and I think uh, Vic Fangio yeah. <laughs> agrees with that, and uh, I think Ryan and I would agree with that as well. Yes, from Greatest Show on Dirt, Field Yates tweeted out a full list of RBs scheduled to be free agents in the next offseason. In addition to Philip Lindsay, who isn't really a free agent, his list has Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, James Conner, Matt Breida. Kareem Hunt, James White, Tariq Cohen, Marlon Mack, and more. How does this upcoming loaded free agent market affect Broncos' plan of attack with Phil and Melvin's contract situations? I don't think it really affects anything because Philip Lindsay is a restricted free agent and the Broncos can get him for pennies on the dollar. So he's not going anywhere next year, uh, even if they don't decide to sign him to a long-term deal after he plays better than Phil, uh, than Melvin Gordon this year. Um, but – do you guys agree? I don't think this really affects the Broncos at all. They're set there. Yep, completely agree. And uh, additionally, Melvin Gordon's under contract for one more year, so he's not going to be in that mix at all. And also, how many of those guys are actually going to hit free free agency? I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. Right now, it looks like an awesome free agent class, but the, maybe one big name hits it. I, I don't think a lot of those names are going to hit the free agent market. And, yeah. and some of those, and some of those names also. I mean, like Todd Gurley is going to be on that list. Well, that's well and good, but if he still struggles with the arthritis in his knees, then he's a non-factor. I mean, there are some guys on this list that are going to, you know, some guys on this list that are going to be non-factors because of injury and age. Well, and same yeah. with Leonard Fournette. He's a, he's right. a bigger name than player. Right, Leonard Fournette's one year away from being a bust. Matt Burita is you know, a name that people know, um, but, you know, it's not like he's going to command big money on the open market. Awesome on Madden. Kareem Hunt. What's Kareem Hunt done lately? Not very good things. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, next one here is from Broncos Sooners, New York Rangers. My boys, happy hump day. Crack a Breck brew and a mile-high salute to the haters. Let's talk Broncos. (laughs) couple things Mahomes while excellent is not guaranteed to be amazing every year and the Broncos are building something great have confidence don't be so afraid of those guys and trust our Broncos I'm a little upset seeing so many people bow to them already we're the damn Denver Broncos people don't scare us we scare them love it my question today is this if Von Miller wins defensive player of the year 
uh, this year. Is he on the Mount Rushmore of pass rushers all time? And would we pay him? Thanks for reading. Yeah, well, he's under contract for next year, of course, with a, a pretty big cap hit. But if he wins Defensive Player of the Year this year, yeah, you're absolutely keeping him on the team this year and probably paying him that entire, I think it's like a $24, $25 million cap hit for 2021. So he would have rightfully earned that because he's only trending up. And with Bradley Chubb, clearly the formula is working on the defensive side of the ball. So yeah, he would be here on this team. Doesn't need a new contract. Nothing to worry about there. Uh, and my guess is he would probably, um, I don't know, Mace, how close is he to being on the Mount Rushmore then? All-time pass rushers? Well, yeah. I mean, really, you've got, uh, you've got Lawrence Taylor. You've got uh, Reggie White, Bruce Smith. Um, yeah, he, even with a big season this year, I mean, that, that fourth spot's sort of where you say, well, maybe he could push in there, but you could, you know, go, go to an old school guy like, uh, like Deacon Jones from the, uh, from the Rams back in the sixties, you could be, you know, you, you could talk about, you know, someone like, uh, like, like, uh, Jared Allen or Michael Strahan guys who, uh, you know, had, a uh, big all time all time numbers in terms of pass rushing Julius Peppers as well. So I think Vaughn has got he, he needs a few more big years before you're talking about him being on the Mount Rushmore. Cause I would look at I, I you know basically I'd say you probably start with Reggie White and uh and Bruce Smith and Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, Vaughn, you know, if Vaughn won defensive player of the year uh this year he would have a total of a one defensive player of the year and <laughs> yeah that's not enough to uh to get yourself up there um i think jj watt even has three of those at least yeah well, yeah watt had the had the injuries but you know he shown he shown brightly when he was at his peak and his peak would also be comparable to the the, the peaks of uh, what we of those other three guys who are really on the on the mount rushmore the other thing that Broncos Sooners and NY Rangers comes up first, I, I salute your optimism. I really do. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Chiefs have won nine consecutive games over the Broncos in the series. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's an uphill battle for sure. Um, but, I, you know, I, I like his message of, Stay confident, you know, just because Patrick Mahomes is going to be a chief for a while does not mean that the Broncos have no chance of winning the division or getting, you know, going toe to toe with them. I mean, it's, it's going to come down to Drew Locke and if Drew Locke can be a, a, I don't want to say above average. I want to say above good quarterback. Uh, then the Broncos are going to have a chance every year. Did, yeah. Does Vaughn have like 106 sacks, career sacks, something like that? It, it's right around that number. Uh, what is wild is just thinking about how guys have 160, 198, 200. And it, it, it's wild mm -hmm. to wrap your mind around that with how good Von Miller's been throughout his career. And he still needs to do this for so many more years at such an elite level in order to get to be one of those top four pass rushers of all time. How many did LT finish with? Uh -huh. uh, officially 132 and a half um i'd have to go back and see what his unofficial number was from 81 his rookie season that pushes him up that pushes him up farther but uh with lt as well i mean you had some you had some big seasons there were i believe uh he had like six or seven years where he was double digits 
I know there was one year where he had where he had 20 sacks. And also, the other thing with LT is just kind of his role in revolutionizing the, the possibilities of the edge rusher. That's Lawrence Taylor was kind of a transformative player in creating the modern stand-up three-four edge rusher. Yeah, you know, so, sorry, I got a little distracted thinking about this, but I think that if Von Miller won Defensive Player of the Year this year, he would solidify himself as a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah, w- without a mm-hmm. doubt. I, I agree with that. And that's a really good place to be. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. <laughs> All right, next one here is from Sir James Radio. It says, throughout high school, I was an offensive lineman in the zone blocking scheme. As such, I spent a lot of time studying the Broncos line. After high school, I started coaching, also the zone scheme. As such, I've grown to know the Broncos lines throughout the years, and I've made my personal first, second, and third team all time for the Broncos O-line. First off, let me say honorable mention to House Dwayne Carswell for essentially being an extra lineman. I know they tried that experiment with him towards the end of his career, but I felt that should be mentioned. All right, here's first team. Left tackle, Clady. Left guard, Mark Schlereth. uh, Center, Tom should be in the Hall of Fame, Nalen. Right guard, Dan Neal. Right tackle, Matt Lepsis. Pretty good line. That is a good line. Second team, left tackle, Gary Zimmerman. Left guard, Ben Hamilton. Center, Bill Bryan. Right guard, Paul Howard. Right tackle, Tony Jones. Solid line as well. Yeah. Third team, Dave Stuttered, Chris Cooper, Matt Paradis, Brian Habib, and Ken Lanier. I think he meant Some good third choices team, there. Third team, Garrett Bowles, uh, left tackle, left guard, um, uh, uh, Dalton Reisner, center Lloyd Cushenberry, right guard Graham Glasgow, and right tackle John James. Oh you know, man, you're, yeah. You know what there my takeaways? Uh, my big takeaway was here uh, is that Lloyd Cushenberry's path to being the second best center in Broncos history really isn't that tough. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I, I, my other my other takeaway here is how much do you value length of career? Because I would argue this. The, literally the only all-pro guard in the history of the franchise is Lou Vasquez. Mm. And e- even though injuries cut his time short and being shifted to right tackle for half the season in 2014 didn't help, I could argue that because Lou's peak was better than any other uh, guard that we've seen or a right guard that we've seen, that I would be putting Lou on my first team. Wow. Okay. Wow. And the other guy who's missing is Keith Bishop. Uh, yes. He should Protecting be somewhere John on John Elway to this day. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I would also say that uh, Dalton Reisner has a chance to uh, climb up this list pretty, pretty quickly as well. Yeah, definitely. He could definitely get himself uh, as high as second team pretty quickly here. Yeah, exactly. AvsWatch22 chimes in and says, Hey, Broncos gang, I've made return to the comment section. I'd just like to thank you guys for working tirelessly for putting or for, for us and pumping out content and big RK. I watched about the first six holes of the golf tournament. And I just have to say I had a blast and I hope it's annual with Mojan Vic every summer. And man, I'll stop you there, Zach. Uh, this, this is a breaking news um, item here, but we have a rematch schedule, not even next summer, but next week. <laughs> next <laughs> Next Thursday, prepare yourselves for the rematch of the Oddcast Cup. Henry and I fighting for a chance uh, to even the series. And, of course, if we even the series, well, 
then there's going to have to be a deciding match as it works with all boxing rematches and all that. Uh, so stay tuned. Hopefully Henry and I can force a trilogy. So Ryan, how do you approach this? Do you, uh, do you remember the last match to keep that fire burning or do you, do you forget it? Totally put it in the past and, and this is a new one. Zach, I lost real hours of sleep because of that loss. Uh, <laughs> So I, I'm the type that uh, says, don't, don't forget this feeling and uh, make sure that you go out there and focus and hit good shots next time and you won't have to feel like this. So what's that bad taste in your mouth then? Is it garlic? Is it a little oniony? Um, I don't know. It's just the taste of, uh, of – Henry and I hit four bad shots in a row and that lost us the tournament. Yeah, uh, that'll all- do it in golf, won't it? That, that, or I guess four bad tee shots in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just, uh, that just can't happen. So we need a little better teamwork, uh, a little better shot making, uh, but I'll be ready. I'll be ready. I promise you that. Look at that teamwork in golf. I love it. I love yep. it. Uh, he goes on and says, and man, the final verdict on Justin Simmons situation will have just broken. So I will be so glad to hear you guys cover that before the comments. Okay. To wrap up three quick questions. One, Andrew Brandt was on the Pat McAfee show toward the end of June. And he said Von Miller and he said, Von Miller said, since he's had COVID, he hasn't gotten 100% of his win back. Should we be concerned about this? Should be concerned, but also here's an opportunity because last year, Vic Fangio insisted on playing Von Miller at a higher rate than he did, than, than he was played in his previous years. And I think that certainly didn't help his overall effectiveness. This is the sort of scenario where Von Miller doesn't have his win back, and it's understandable because he does have an underlying condition that can be exacerbated by COVID, and of course that's asthma. It may force Vic Fangio's hand to where Von Miller is playing 55 60% of the snaps, and thus you're getting peak Von Miller but just not as many snaps, and that gets him back to where he was in terms of uh, in, in terms of potential efficiency going forward. And maybe you're saying, okay, Von Miller, he's going to play a few first downs, but we're going to concentrate on making sure he's out there on the ever on the high leverage pass rush downs. And then I think he might it might strangely lead to a more efficient and effective Von Miller. Yeah, I if- also think it should be noted really quick, just that Von Miller said this in May. Um, it was, you know, less than a month after he had had COVID and he hasn't spoken on that since. So I just think it should, that should be pointed out. You know, we don't know if he's still feeling that way to this day. Yeah. And we also don't know all the effects of, uh, of COVID as well, because I mean, it, when you start seeing some not. studies that say that there's link that some patients have lingering, uh, scarring on the heart, for example, I mean, we're still, you know, we still don't have our arms around the, the long-term effects of, of this, of this illness on people. Definitely. Yeah. And we'll just have to obviously find out more and specifically when training camp starts and then he'll be months away from COVID. And if he's still feeling like that, then I think the obvious answer is absolutely that that's a big concern, but we'll find out hopefully here in a couple of weeks. He goes on to, if the Titans sign Jadavian Clowney, do they rival us for the best defense in the AFC? Um, I mean, I, I don't know enough about the Titans' defense, but I think the, you know both the Broncos and the Titans will be competing for that either way. Chargers, yeah. too. Yep. Yep, Chargers as well. And three, 
isn't this Jamal Adams news glorious? Even if it's ultimately attacked to get the Jets to sign him. All right, that's enough out of me. Go DNVR and go Broncos. What is the Jamal Adams news? The most recent thing that I saw was uh, Le'Veon Bell coming out and saying that he thinks he's going to play with the Jets this year. I haven't seen anything else besides that. Have you guys? No, I have not. No. I mean, I, the, the, I think uh, there's one story that suggests that uh, Jamal Adams has a little bit more leverage because Miles Garrett got his contract, but uh, that, that's that's about it. Pretty uh... – Pretty funny and comical to me that Le'Veon Bell is weighing in on other people's contract situations and things like that. Definitely. Definitely. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> All right. Juan Pablo says, hey, guys, with the Broncos likely not extending Justin Simmons, I think it's safe to assume that the reason for the matter was the unknowns with how the cap situation is going to turn out next offseason and not at all with the player itself, especially how he played last year and all he means to this team on and off the field. So, seeing the Chiefs extend two high-paid players, my question is, why is it that the Broncos are so worried about the cap next year to the point of not extending Simmons? And the Chiefs are not, considering they are projected to have even more cap space uh, since the Broncos are considered to have more cap space than the Chiefs. I don't know. The Chiefs are, like, doing dark magic and... Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's frustrating to say the least because, like you guys mentioned, you know none of the other teams around the league are doing this, uh, but somehow the Chiefs are signing everyone under the sun. I I mean, it 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 is hard to say it because no no other team is signing uh, big contracts right now outside of like a, a Miles Garrett sort of deal. Um, it, or else I was going to say, does this really point to? Uh, the Broncos ownership and maybe not having the cash on hand right now. But if so many other teams are doing that too. Yeah, I don't know. It's to me, it would have been definitely in the cards to get this deal done. Um, Doesn't it feel and remember, like, and remember this as well, guys, the debt limit that owners are allowed to take on was increased this year to 500 million from 350 million because of the pandemic. And also knowing that, uh, on the other side of this, presumably, you're going to have increased revenues coming in from the uh, broadcast and streaming contracts that should be kicking in in 2022 and beyond. So, I mean, it, there there were ways, if you really wanted a guy, there were ways to get it done if cash was an issue. If the cap is an issue, uh, that's something kind of different entirely. The other thing that's interesting with the Chiefs in 2021, uh, they they can't create a lot of cap space without having – a good amount of, of dead money. I mean, there there are no contracts that the Chiefs have um, that are like the Jarrell Casey, A.J. Boye contracts. The, if the Chiefs wanted to create cap room, I mean, probably the only one that would, uh, that would really be practical is, is Eric Fisher cutting him and picking up $11.5 million, but still creating over $3 million of dead money. The Chiefs, so the, the Chiefs are in a little bit of a spot here. If, there is a catastrophic drop in the cap and they've got to figure things out. And I feel like there's uh, everyone outside of the NFL isn't really concerned about the cap dropping significantly, but maybe inside the NFL, there's, there's more of a concern because I haven't heard it talked about at all about the cap dropping significantly next year, just besides mentioning it here and there. But 
Uh, if that was the feeling inside the NFL, wouldn't more deals be getting done right now? So um, maybe inside the NFL, there's a much bigger concern about the cap dropping significantly than, than really anyone outside is talking about. And the weird thing is that, to me, ha- having a situation where you at least ensure the cap is in, t- in 2021 is the same as it is now, and thus spreading the hit revenue hit from this year over the next five maybe even maybe even the next 10 years it's been discussed of to spread the hit over the length of the cba through 2030 it just make it makes sense for both teams and players because players don't want to see a a one-year hit in terms of salaries and teams that have been planning for a salary cap to be north of 200 million dollars in 2021 they don't want to look at their contracts and say, oh, crap, we've got to do a, a dozen restructures or we're going to have to cut a slew of players here. That they, neither side wants this. I mean, I think it's something that eventually that they can get done. The problem is right now in terms of trying to figure out how they're going to have this 2021 season, there are so many items on the list that even though this is important, this is far from – the only point of discussion they're having to figure out. Yeah, there's a lot at play here. And I think that, um, I don't know. I, I think that the ownership situation for the Broncos keeps being illuminated more and more. Little things keep happening that start making people more and more aware of the fact that the Broncos don't have an owner and, and, and because of that, don't have very much cash. And the other thing here is that, you know, one of the most underrated advantages in sports that just isn't talked about is, is owner wealth. Uh, and the teams with the richer owners can do m- more things. They can give bigger signing bonuses to skirt the cap in certain ways. And, you know, it just, it might be worth it, you know, as much as keeping the team in the Bullens um, has symbolic meaning, it might be better off for the Broncos long-term to have a, you know, super billionaire running the team. Yeah, yeah, so that you can, at any point during a global pandemic as well, you can give one player a $500 million contract, and at another time you can give another player $60 million guaranteed just about a week later. With $30 million due at signing. <laughs> yeah, during well, a global pandemic. And, and the thing about the Chiefs as well, I mean, if you look at them in particular, the Hunt family, uh, the Hunts were wealthy a generation before Lamar Hunt was one of the original investors in the AFL and the team was losing money and there were, I'd have to go find the exact quote, but something was said that it, based on the amount of money they lost the first couple of years when they were in Dallas before they moved to Kansas city. And Lamar Hunt's father said something like, well, great. If they keep losing money like that, then in like, 2100 we're going to be in trouble so it's it's always been a a well-heeled uh ownership situation that uh, had other revenue streams and was able and was able to tap into them in in some tough times and the thing with the broncos and the bolin and pat bolin you know an amazing owner and uh, his family's done a lot of good things for the team over the years but football is their has become their primary business you know pat bolin you know his legal and other interests he basically you know parlayed them to get the denver broncos whereas a lot of these other owners like david tepper for example is a, is a hedge fund guy who's wor- in carolina who's worth 11 billion dollars and was able to pay cash 
when he bought the team. Yep. Next one here comes in from Dan Burke. He says, it's Wednesday, so we going to get mad. <laughs> Did y'all see Bill Barnwell's ranking of each team's weapons? He prefaced the ranking saying contract value didn't play into the ranking. Receivers were valued more than tight ends and running backs and top end talent was worth more than depth. And it was for 2020 only. With all that in mind, he ranked the Broncos at 14th, up from 31st last year, and ahead of teams like the 49ers, the Vikings, the Ravens, and the Chargers. Sounds good, huh? But now when you realize the teams like the Giants were ranked 8th, but the thing that made no sense was the Steelers being ranked ahead of the Broncos. I'm sorry, but 2020 proved that Juju isn't effective without Antonio Brown drawing the CB1 and a safety on most plays. Even if you say he didn't have Big Ben last year, he'll rebound. Having bad quarterback play didn't affect guys like Seton and Kenny Galladay last year. And I love Deontay Johnson, but he'd be a wide receiver three in Denver at the absolute best. Not to mention Eric Ebron is what Fant would be if he completely flames out at this point and doesn't develop any further, LOL. Fant had a significantly better season last year than Ebron, despite being a rookie and everything else that came with the Broncos offense. And James Conner had a few cute games in 2018, but nah. Yeah, that's oh man. This is just the the classic bet betting or hedging his bets right here because he's saying the Broncos have talent, so they're way higher than they are last year. But they're young, so I don't want to put them too high because I don't want to be burned. It's just it's it's classic. And then you know if the Broncos do go in the top ten this year and prove that they're a top ten team, then he's gonna say, well yeah, I mean they were they were up from thirty one last year, so uh, the in terms of talent, this is certainly a better team than the Giants. And I think in terms of production, this is going to be a way better uh, group than the Giants. Yeah, this is a, this is a nice little hedge from yeah. Bill Barnwell because if the Broncos end up being, you know, 20th in production, and he says, oh, I had him at 14th. It's not. And if they end up being 8th in production, he says, yeah, I had him up 15 spots from where <laughs> I had him last year. Um, it's, a, it's a safe move. But, I mean, who do the – the Giants? They got Saquon. Giants? They got Who Saquon. They have Sterling Shepard? Uh, they have Sa- both of Saquon's thighs. Um, oh, that's they, true. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Benny they, Fowler you, and Cody Latimer? I, I, think, oh, I think he's uh, emphasizing running backs a little bit because, well, first of all, I think I've lost my ability to be angry over what some pundit has in terms of rankings. I think I've just, I'm Mace, totally that's jaded. What the entire off season is about. I know. I'm just totally jaded on that. I got to admit. I mean, I'm, well, I'm I mad think about I'm, this. I'm, I'm done. The other, but I will say it is curious that, uh, that, that Carolina with Christian McCaffrey is fifth on this. Now McCaffrey is an elite back, but I, if there's something that he's doing here, it's that he seems to be valuing having a single individual elite player and that's why you're seeing Carolina fifth even though I mean you've got DJ Moore and then it falls off at wide receiver and uh tight end is is up in the air right now because we don't know what kind of tight end Ian Thomas is really going to be for them and then the Giants at eighth well like you said it's or seventh pardon me it's it's Saquon so I think that's I think that's some of his thinking here I would also say this, if he does this next year, I think Denver's in the top five. So this, this is wild. Do the Broncos have an elite player at one of these positions right now? Like week one, elite? No. No, I, I agree with you. I don't think they do. And one year, 
Would would you guys be shocked if I told you that uh, Cortland Sutton was elite? Nope. No. In, in two years, would you be shocked if I told you Jerry Judy was elite? And when I think of elite, I, I'm saying like a top five guy. I would be shocked that you didn't tell me it earlier. Okay, so so one one year from now, you wouldn't be shocked if I said uh, Jerry Judy was elite? No, not at what, all. What Six about months what, from now. What about one year from now saying Noah Fant was elite? That would not be shocking. Not shocked what? me at all. Wouldn't be shocking at all. And now I don't think Melvin Gordon and or Philip Lindsay are going to get an opportunity to put up the stats of being elite, but that can easily be a top five running back room. So that is wild. In one year, we could be talking about four elite players slash positions. It, that is crazy. Yeah, it really is. And and that's where you just – and you didn't even mention K.J. Hamler. What if K.J. Right. Hamler's an elite speed weapon? Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, 14th is a safe bet because you, you are covered if it goes one way or the other strongly. You say, well, yeah, I had him in the middle, they underachieved. Or I had him in the middle and they overachieved. Um, it's a safe place for them to be. But, uh, well, I, I mean, I don't think we should skip over the fact that Mace just said one year from now he wouldn't be surprised if they're in the top five. That is uh, – a that is high, high praise, and I think he's right there. I think, you know, if Jerry Judy – if Cortland Sutton takes even just a minor step forward and Jerry Judy is who I think he is, well, the Broncos now have the best receiving group in the NFL, quite arguably. Yeah, I guess I, know, I, I skipped over it because I just completely agree with it uh, and, and think that could absolutely be the case. The talent's there. And, oh, by the way, I mean, we talk about Noah Fant in that mix. I mean, one of the reasons the Giants are above the Broncos is because of Evan Ingram. And I think Pat Shermer is going to maximize Noah Fant and put him in the situations for which he's designed. And that's going to play a role in pushing the Broncos to that elite level as a group. All right. Before we move on, I got to tell you this, you know, it's kind of a gloomy day out here today. Maybe not the best day for the golf course, but always a great day for WGT. The best online golf game that has ever existed. Uh, it's really fun to play. And if you go to dnvrgolf.com, you can download the app and then you can join us in the DNVR Country Club. Just go into Country Clubs and type in DNVR number two, no spaces, uh, and find us. We're having all sorts of fun in these tournaments every weekend. So make sure you go to dnvrgolf.com to download it today. Guys, there's big things happening in rugby in Colorado. And that is DNVR is now covering all things rugby in Colorado and the United States and our reporter Colton Strickler is keeping you up to date on all things American rugby with the DNVR rugby podcast and with written articles on the DNVR.com because it was just announced that Infinity Park in Glendale is now the new official training center for men's and women's USA Eagles 15 teams. That means Colorado is the place to go for rugby in the United States. So make sure you're keeping up with all of it on the dnvr.com, on Twitter at dnvr uh, uh, rugby, and also on the podcast dnvr rugby. Make sure to check it out. Colton's doing an excellent job breaking down the new scene here in Colorado, as well uh, as as breaking down the game for you. So make sure to check out dnvr rugby coverage. 
Awesome. Next one here from the Danimal. Good morning, Broncos country. I haven't commented in a while and wanted to take a second to chime in and thank the DNVR community for destroying my diet last week. After spending most of quarantine away from gyms and then having to recover for a month from a broken rib the week I started my workout program, I finally get back in my routine and uh, get my diet right. And what do I get from the podcast? Donuts. A whole week of donut talk. Y'all are bad for my waistline. (laughs) But since we're on the topic, I have to chime in. Uh, how is it that on a podcast full of Colorado sports fan, no one mentioned the Pike Peak, Pike's Peak Summit Donuts? The recipe they use at high altitude makes them the best unfrosted donuts in the world, and I will fight someone over this. If you guys have never tried, uh, take the train up to Pike's Peak, grab a bag, and thank me later. I used to have a job that required an annual summit up the 26-mile bar trail with the 50-pound pack in under a day. And my favorite part was always carb loading on donuts on the descent. They are magical. Also, I have to mention that I'm bummed. I heard nobody mentioned Varsity Blues is one of the best football movies ever. It's a classic. Have a great week, everyone. And let me leave you with a bit of trivia. Who is the player that scored his first sack against the same quarterback who later coached against him and lost in this player's final game? I am so confused. Whoa, okay. All right, so, so it's my mom's sister's cousin's brother's <laughs> sister-in-law. It's actually you. <laughs> okay, so you'd have to – this is one of those things where you start saying, okay, uh, it's a little bit of a riddle here. So who was – I think you start with this. Who's a quarterback who later became a coach? Uh, um, Jim Harbaugh? Jim Harbaugh. Or John Harbaugh, both, I guess. No, John. No, John didn't play in the NFL. Okay, okay. So it, it, so quarterbacks that became coaches: Jim Harbaugh, going way, going way back. Uh, Bart Starr. Um, I still can't but, wrap my head around this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're, let's let's work with Jim Harbaugh. Who is? Okay, so. The player that scored his first – oh, I've got it. It's got to be Ray Lewis. Right? Well, Jim Hart, what was – yeah, that's – yeah. Wow. First sack against the same quarterback who later coached against – who later coached against him. So, let's look at uh, Ray Lewis. Let's go through uh, – let's look oh this up. Pro gosh. football reference. Yeah, because game. the final game of his career. Yep, yep. it's got to yep. be. Game, game log, 1996, Ray Lewis, a rookie. Yeah, because his first oh. sack came against the Indianapolis Colts <laughs> wow. when Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback. Wow. Right. wow. Impressive, RK, with the mace there. Yes. <laughs> oh. Impressive. I'll, I'll take that one. I'm, I'm wow. Proud of that um, is a hell of a question. It sounds like we have uh, some apologies to Danimal, though. First, we're disappointing him with the waistline. Then we're disappointing him with Pikes Peak Summit Donuts. Then we're disappointing him with Varsity Blues. Wow, this has just been disappointing for you on our podcast. Yeah. I'm sorry about that, Danimal. I'm most disappointed in Zach. I feel like he would be the one who's climbed Pikes Peak and knew about the donuts. I, I've I've heard about the donuts, but that's that's all. I, I, I've I've only heard about them. They better not be cake donuts, though, I'll tell you that. Tell you what, Harry Bear, yo, Zach and his boys. 
After freeloading for over a year, I feel I have a big enough sample size to unequivocally say DNVR is the guy. So I ponied up. You got me. We got him. Okay. To be fair, I subscribed during the draft, but couldn't comment until I was fully caught up and it's taken this long. In this maddening time, what a pleasant problem to have. Too much DNVR. Just a hey all for now to the boys in the DNVR fam. FYI, hairy bears because my facial hair is not my manscaped region. <laughs> well, if it was your uh, under the belt, we have the solution for that, manscaped. DNVR20, man, we're so happy to have you rolling with us. Hairy bear, love to hear that you've been rolling us with us for a while, and I'm happy that you're all caught up. Perfect I was time, actually, too. I was actually thinking uh, – that when you're talking about hair, it was I was thinking it was north of the equator, but maybe not facial hair. I was thinking like chest hair. <laughs> Fair enough. Back Fair hair, enough. you know, just torso hair. Just <laughs> manscape it all off. You can use manscaped on your face. Oh, absolutely. And Henry does it all the time. <laughs> Lit Vasky <laughs> chimes in, says, I want to start off and say Jason Peters, three million dollars switching to guard for the Eagles, and we wouldn't sign him. Shake my head. I think we got it all, all wrong. <laughs> and I think with all the question marks at tackle, to just have the depth would have been significant. You could put pull bulls, or if James isn't healthy, you could have a great veteran tackle, unless there is more to it, like injuries. I do not know why we would not sign him. What are your thoughts? I, I explained this yesterday, but it, Jason Peters, Peters wanted to sign with the Eagles. If he ever had a chance to sign with the Eagles, he was going to sign with the Eagles. Uh, and that, that was that. And so he was willing to change positions to not change cities. And I respect him a lot for that. How do you think Cushenberry will hold up against Chris Jones, Riley Glasgow, Dalton Reisner? Will we have to play two times a year or we have to pay, play him two times a year? Never fun. Well, with Cushenberry, the, one of the things that gives me optimism about him is the way he held his ground against Javon Kinlaw down at Senior Bowl week. And to me, that, that single week really assuaged a lot of the concerns that I had and, and some people had about him in terms of what he could do in the pass rush. And that being said, you're going to have to give Cushenberry or whoever's one-on-one -on -one with Chris Jones some help. Uh, but uh, I feel better about the possibilities. And, yeah, look, it's, you, know, you don't want to go against Chris Jones that often. It's, it's just the Broncos' lot in life right now. But I feel a lot better about uh, the interior trio of Cushenberry, Glasgow, and Reisner working together to make that happen than I, than I did before all this. Yeah, Cushenberry's really, really strong and isn't going to get bullied in the center. Now, he's certainly going to have rookie mistakes, but getting bullied probably isn't something we're going to see often. And there's no question that the strength of the Broncos' offensive line is in the middle against the Chris Joneses of the world. So Chris Jones will probably still cause fits, but uh, where I'm concerned is when you look at Joey Bosa and guys coming from the outside. That, that's what scares me more, just the way this Broncos line is set up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Chris Jones is a handful. You're going to face elite players if you play in the NFL, and all these guys are going to have to be able to hold their own against the elites. And he says, P.S., update. Uh, finally a homeowner in the great city of Lee Summit, Missouri, home of our future quarterback – or future and current quarterback, Drew Horse – you know the rest. Locke, appreciate y'all as always. OG MVP, Litvasky. You know right. something interesting about that? I was actually, I, I, when I was reading this comment, I thought, hmm, you know, with all, all the things being renamed, is there going to be a problem with Lee Summit, Missouri? 
but it's not named for Robert E. Lee. There's no connection whatsoever, even though some claim that. It's actually named for a, fam for a family that uh, had the last name L-E-A, and then it got misspelled at some point, and that's why it's L-E-E. -E. How interesting. How does that get misspelled? I, I, I don't know. The summit part, according to Wikipedia, is that it was the highest elevate. It was the spot that had the highest elevation on the railroad between St. Louis and Kansas City. Do you have the elevation of it? The elevation, according to Wikipedia, is one thousand thirty-seven feet. Oh, that's Oof. weak. That is weak. It's gonna, yeah. it's gonna sting the lungs all the way up there. <laughs> that's why Drew had to come back. Because <laughs> you're not getting high altitude training in Lee's Summit, Missouri, even though it's a summit. <laughs> I think my uh, wh where I'm sitting right now is just a couple feet off that uh, 5280 mark, so I should almost have a purple row of seats in my uh, in my apartment here. I yeah. drive downhill to get into the city, so I must be a little bit above. Yeah, you are. Yeah, the southern suburbs you do you do drive downhill to to get to Denver. So yeah, you're. you're I think you're at about 50. I want to say, RK, you're about 5360 or something like that. Oh, wow. Impressive. And Ryan, I, as we I'll always say, you're next just, time I'm there. You're higher than us right now. Yeah, just like I am on uh, on uh, Jerry Judy and Drew Locke and <laughs> Philip Lindsay. And, <laughs> uh, right. Oh, there you go, Mace. More from the Count, who has a second comment today. From the hindsight desk, what if in the 2017 draft, the Broncos select Tredavious White instead of Bowles? Where are we now? Love the count. In a much better spot, I can tell you that. Did you see Tredavious White got like an 88 rating in Madden? Really? I believe yeah. it. Yeah. He got absolutely disrespected. Wow. But I for sure thought he was a 90s type of guy. Yeah. And who did they make? Oh, they made Stefan Gilmore a 99, which like, yeah, he's very, very good. Wow. But then someone did a comparison of their stats and Tredavious White has like better stats than him in every category. Wow. I feel like Madden missed a few more than they did this year on some of their ratings. Yeah. I mean, I have no idea what happened to Tredavious White. That one is, uh, that one's bad. And then, you know, I still can't get over Cortland Sutton being an 84. This is a pro bowler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's well, wild. And it, he has the stats to back it up. He has the film to back. Gordon has everything to back it up. Yep. Next one here is a yeah, long one. One thing, though, before sorry, oh. before we move on, the one thing I just want to say on what the count is suggesting. Oh right. Say where we are, where where this team would be now. I mean, you've basically reconstructed everything because at some point you would have either had to invest big money in the free agent market or a high draft pick in the left tackle, in all likelihood. You've changed who's on this team, the, the very composition of this team. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. We knew the Broncos were going left tackle in that draft. Um, so the only one that I really live, uh, live with is um, Ramchek. Yeah. You could have moved him. could have played Focus's number one tackle, mm. regardless of side last year. <laughs> and that's the thing. And the funny thing is, okay, if let's say – you would have tried to move, work him at left, but then played him at right. It left or right, if you can get a guy who's going to be a perennial all-pro, do it. Yep. <laughs> but Garrett, exactly. Bowles, Garrett Bowles is athletic, guys. I don't like that you guys just continue to overlook that. And he aggressive. With Cross. He's nasty. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> but give me and the he's, Wisconsin he's old. guy he's all day long. you know? Oh. 
<laughs> yes, he's mature uh. despite leading the entire NCAA <laughs> in penalties. Um, from Grumpy Pancake. Hey, fellas, pleased to meet you. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Colin, a proud 25-year Bronco fan and a former DNVR freeloader. That's right, boys. You got me. Got me. We got him. Super stoked to be a part of the DNVR squad. I've been a consistent listener for two years. Yes, the pre-Mace days. And this is the only Broncos pod I listen to. Y'all have such a great balance of educated info and wonderful humor, unlike those derpy Raider guys who hate Drew Locke because mm, uh, 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 he just sucks. My girlfriend loves Zach's infectious laugh, too, by the way. Be careful. Oh, tell her I said hello. <laughs> hey, calm down. <laughs> also, I love when you guys talk music and fun fact. I happen to be the lead singer in an alternative electronic rock band down here in Colorado Springs. We're called Ozonic. Uh, or I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, and we just released a single called Electric Blood, which is up on Spotify and all the other listening platforms. Our site www.ozonicband.com, O-Z-O-N-I-C band.com. I'd love to hear what y'all think of it. And hey, if you ever need any new theme music, give us a buzz. Okay, I'm done with the self-promo, and my future comments will not be this long. Just wanted to introduce myself and let you guys know how important your pod is to me. It's gotten me through some trying times of self-discovery and lousy headspace, and I appreciate you all so much for it. Some of my favorite episodes were the late-night post-game pods from last season when y'all were delirious and laughing about everything. Please bring back the bloop and a blast reference when talking baseball. Also, you ever think about Chad Kanoff while using Manscaped? Uh, anyways, I'm done rambling. Zach, Ryan, and Mace, keep up the fine entertainment. Uh, and thank you uh, for the... Uh, for making the sports community thrive. See you at the DNVR bar sometime, Colin. Great, <laughs> great introduction, Colin. And let me just say, um, send me uh, the the song uh, with a way to download it, and we'll make sure to uh, to or actually send it to Zach. Uh, send Zach the song, and he'll make sure to uh, to work it into the pod one of these days. Absolutely, Zach at ddnvr.com. And Colin, you, I look forward to you bringing that fine entertainment that you just brought here. Welcome officially to the fam, man. What what a great way to start. And yes, one thing I'll say I'll, I'll say also is, uh, I think someday in the DMVR bar, the only athlete who didn't play for a Denver team who should have a jersey up in the bar is Chad Kinoff. <laughs> that is true. Maybe one day he'll get signed to like the practice squad or something, and we can get a jersey. But hey, you, I'll settle you, for you a Los to, Angeles Wildcats XFL Chad Kinoff jersey. I'm in for that. He's just got to have the uh, the full name on the back. You know, we can't just stand for Kinoff. Well, we'd know the reference. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> and also, you put a plaque underneath that says like Chad Kinoff, Arizona Cardinals 2018, Detroit Lions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice squad 2019 XFL 2020. Yeah, it says like. Uh, there's always hope when you're Chad Kanoff. <laughs> Presented by Manscaped, the NVR 20. And did you know that Chad Kanoff was a uh, college teammate of Steve Atwater's son? I did not know that. At Princeton? Wow. Yeah. Wow. It is not surprising that Steve Atwater's son went to Princeton. <laughs> and he's yeah, got another child at Stanford. I mean, Oh, my goodness gracious. The, the, and, and one of his kids went to uh, Georgetown. I mean, the Atwater children are – exceptionally high achievers uh yeah 
that is uh, not surprising. Extremely uh, just incredible family. All right, from True Champ Fan 24. Fellas, sounds like old John is in my neck of the woods during this offseason. He's been spotted at his lake house on Lake Coeur d'Alene, and I just happen to live and work on Coeur d'Alene. I'll just go down and help him get the Simmons deal wrapped up. No worries. I'm sure I'll be welcome, LOL. And I was, I was pretty close. I saw Coeur d'Alene on the road signs when I was in Montana. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's where John hangs out during the summer. But I think he's probably on his boat right now with no cell phone service because I, I don't think a, a deal is not going to be happening. with Justin. Is, Isn't that Brock Osweiler territory as well? Doesn't he have a place up there? It and is. Jake Plummer. It yeah, is Plummer. former I'm, Broncos quarterback Haven. And uh, oh didn't, gosh, uh, yeah. did, didn't Brock and John run into each other down in Coeur d'Alene right At after Brock? At a convenience store, I think. Yeah. yeah, right after Brock left in uh, 2016. <laughs> yeah, that's where they reportedly buried the hatchet. <laughs> and then John said something oh. like, sometimes the best deals are the ones you don't make. <laughs> <laughs> the other ride uh, says, my boys, while we're still mad about Madden, I thought I would share one of the greatest football and Broncos quotes ever. Following the Broncos' blowout victory over the Raiders in October 1997, uh, where Ken Stabler threw seven interceptions, Tom Jackson bellowed across the field to John Madden. It's all over, fat man! The Broncos' performance and Jackson's remark that day were precursors to their triumph over the Raiders a couple of months later in the 1977 AFC Championship game and what was the franchise's greatest victory up to that point. This leads me to the question today. What is each of your favorite moments in Broncos Raiders history? Mask up so we can have a football season. DNV Army, salute. Hmm. So first of all, a uh, great quote from Tom Jackson. And in the blog boom days when there was like a million blogs for every team, there was a Broncos blog called It's All Over Batman. <laughs> um, favorite moment in Broncos Raiders history. Unfortunately, Man. there hasn't been many good ones recently, <laughs> since except for Akeem Talib, of course. Uh, thanks to Akeem for providing us that entertainment. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Mace, you have one that comes to the top of your head? Uh, it's less a moment, more of an entire game. Um, the game in 2011 when Tebow and the Broncos put up 38 on them. And that was a moment where the Raiders, I mean, they, were, they were coming in strutting. They just traded for Carson Palmer, who uh, was uh, holding out with the Bengals. The Raiders looked like the favorite to win the division at that point. They, had, they were above 500, playing well, and just in very typical Raider fashion, having absolutely zero discipline in this case zero discipline on the edge getting caught out of position and then you just whoop 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 you had Tim Tebow and Willis McGahee just gleefully running between the ta- between the tackles through huge holes as guys were caught out of position on play after play after play of the games that I've covered that's my person that's my favorite game and my favorite moment but it was just so typical Raiders that it's very it was very simple to contain Tim Tebow if you had discipline, but they were absolutely incapable of playing with any kind of discipline. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, uh, that was fun to watch. 
uh, watching the classic the team, Raiders. Like, when the Tebow teams got rolled, like watching a team dominate a team on the ground is really entertaining when it's your team. Like when the other team just cannot stop, uh, you know, the, the offense from rushing for five yards per carry and then they're just busting big ones and then they, you know, they're on their heels and that, this, that, and the other thing. One that came to my mind here was um, the Broncos beating the Raiders 41-14. to I refer to it as the Eddie Royal game because he was a rookie. Uh, Brandon Marshall was suspended, and Royal stepped up. He had nine catches for 146 yards and a touchdown as a rookie. Um, and he was probably my, you know, my favorite player at the time. I was so excited about Eddie Royal. I, I wanted him to be good so badly. And so that was pretty awesome to watch that. And the one that comes to my mind is just another beatdown that the Broncos had. The end of the 2013 season, week 17, when uh, the Broncos are in Oakland to close out the season. Of course, Peyton Manning uh, just adding on to his fantastic numbers. And in the first half, Peyton has three incompletions and four touchdowns, 31 points on the Raiders. And it was so good. Peyton even let Brock Osweiler get in for the second half. Uh, The Broncos just beat down the Raiders. And uh, I hope we have some more classic games between the Broncos and Raiders soon uh, as both teams are good. I think that would be good for the rivalry. But, man, until then, just the beatdowns, especially when Peyton or Tebow are involved, are great. You mentioning Brock Osweiler means I did forget. I did. I did forget, and I'd be remiss not to mention the 2014 game because there were two things that jump out. A, C.J. Anderson with that amazing uh, catch and run and uh, and trip through uh, the through the Raiders, making guys miss uh, for a, for a touchdown. But then later in that game, it's another blowout, of course. And Brock Osweiler, he's grabbing his helmet. He's about to come in, but then Peyton Manning, he's still in there. And that's, of course, when Brock Osweiler just caught kind of waving his hand in frustration that he can't get in the game. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was actually a bad moment for Brock Osweiler. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't was ready to get funny. on the field. He had to run back and get his helmet. Uh, then, like, showing the disappointment. I uh, I thought that was a, a bad look, to be honest. A hilarious look, too. <laughs> yes. But uh, you know Peyton wasn't going to sit there and wait for him to go find his helmet. No, no. Peyton was, was rarely ever going to give up time on the field. Yep. And I respect that about him. All right. I believe that is going to wrap it up for us today on uh, – the DNVR Broncos podcast, but not before I give you another reminder to go to dnvrgolf.com and download World Golf Tour, the best golf game you can find online. It's so much fun. And when you go to dnvrgolf.com, you'll let them know that you want to play with us. And then you can sign up for the DNVR Country Club. And when you go into Country Clubs and type in DNVR2, no spaces, the number two, uh, you're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. It's a super fun game that anyone can play. But that's going to wrap it up for us today on the DNVR Broncos podcast. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.